You're listening to the Atlanta Real Estate Forum radio show, Around Atlanta edition. Showcasing the best of Metro Atlanta, our communities, the attractions, and the special events that make Atlanta great. Welcome to our virtual town square. And now, here are today's hosts. Good morning and welcome back to the Around Atlanta edition. I am your host, Todd Schneck, joined by my co-host and friend, Carol Morgan. Good morning, Carol. Uh, Before we kick things off, we do want to showcase and thank our sponsor, New American Funding, for being our 2020 show sponsor, now our 10th year on the air. It has been great having them as our partner and look forward to our continued relationship with them in 2021. All right, Carol, uh, what a neat organization doing such important work. I'm looking forward to diving in. This is one of my favorite organizations. Every year for Christmas, my dad used to always ask for us not to give him anything, but to give something back to the children of the community. So I have been a long-term supporter of advocates just because daddy, you know, loved anything to do with children. So I'm very pleased to have my friend, Rachel Castillo, in studio today. She and I were in Leadership Barto together, so we know each other pretty well. She is president and CEO of Advocates for Children. So welcome, Rachel. Well, thank you so much for having me this morning, Carol and Todd. It's a privilege to be with you today and to get to share a little bit about Advocates for Children's story. Well, the privilege is ours. Uh, grateful for you to carve out a few minutes for us. Thank you for that. Uh, we hate to interrupt your important work, so thankful that you're stopping by to join us. So Rachel, before we get into the work of Advocates, take a few seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background. Sure. So I am relatively new to Georgia, I guess, in a sense. I've been here for the last 11 years. I've been at Advocates for Children for the last two and a half years, but my whole entire career has been dedicated to helping those that really cannot advocate or speak for themselves. So I've done um, work with the Salvation Army, uh, done work with Lutheran Services and Must Ministries, always centered around helping um, either children and families or in homelessness. And those are really my passion, and I love to be able to give back to the people in Georgia in those ways. Well, that is quite the career of giving back. And both Todd and I know how important nonprofit work is and charitable work is. You know, I worked for nonprofits for about a decade. And then um, Todd actually has a trust. So uh, he does a lot of giving back as well. So for our audience who may not be familiar with Advocates for Children, tell us, you know, who you are, you know, what you do, who you serve. Sure. So Advocates for Children started in Bartow County in 1983 as a children's shelter out of a need for where would the community going to serve this population of homeless children or children who are entering the foster care, but there weren't enough foster homes available at the time. Since then, we've grown to serve over 11 Northwest Georgia communities and counties, and we are offering safety and help to over 8,000 children, youth, and families every year. Our focus is really on those children and families who have been a victim of abuse or neglect, and we do different levels of personal care through many different types of programming, and I know we'll get to share a little bit more about those programs, but really our mission is to just strengthen our community through education, advocacy, and prevention so that our families can be free from child abuse. Thank you all for that important work. Uh, So, so important. Uh, You know, looking at a list of all the programs that you offer, it's a quite an impressive list, and I wish we had the hours to devote to telling the story of each of them. Uh, and it's clear to us that you obviously do have some focus in Bartow, but you serve the entire 
Metro Atlanta community. And that's uh, with our limited time today, we're going to focus on these these broader Metro Atlanta programs. So let's just dive in on that. Uh, we do want to kick off with the Flowering Branch Children's Shelter. That's got probably, probably the flagship program, I would, I would guess. But let's dive into that. Tell us how that works. Sure. So our um, children's shelter has a, a dual component role. So we serve children in the foster care system, and those children come through what is called Region 3. So it's many counties throughout that northwest region. Each of those children are in state custody and are in the foster care system. So we can serve those children really up until about two years or so, or until they're reunited or find some permanency either with a family member or a close friend or a good placement in the community for them. The other part of that children's shelter, we serve as you know, low as Fulton County uh, and then Cobb and Cherokee and all the way up Northwest Georgia. And that is called our Runaway and Homeless Youth Program. And so if you've ever been to a QT and you've seen that golden diamond that says safe place, that's us in the Northwest region of Georgia. And what it is, is a partnership between Quick Trip and different nonprofit organizations. And so we go into the schools and we train children that when they see that Quick Trip safe place sign, and it's not just that Quick Trip is at the YMCA. If you were in Bartow County, you will see it at almost every, <laughs> every corner. We've covered everywhere, making sure that our children have safe places to go. But the people at those locations are trained to contact advocates for children so that we could get in touch with the child and and advocate for them, whether it's bringing them to our shelter so they have a safe place to stay, connecting with family, getting them involved in the children's welfare system if that's what need be. But we do that. It's a 24-hour program. We have someone on call all the time. So that if a child is uh, finds himself in a dangerous situation or a runaway or in a homeless situation, that they can have immediate assistance. And that wow. is, yeah, like Carol said, <laughs> that is our flagship programming. That's what really started us. The shelter is headquartered in Bartow County, but again, we do service that area all over. We travel to them. Yeah. How has, and we're going to talk later about how COVID has impacted donations and talk about that, but how has it impacted the children's shelter and safe place? Do you see more children needing help or what impact has COVID had on that? So it's interesting to see what it's had with our shelter. So we are getting a lot uh, more phone calls in. And so we're providing uh, more prevention services. We're trying to intervene before we bring the child into the shelter. And one of those reasons is just because, you know, of the testing and, you know, trying to keep the children that are in the shelter already safe from any COVID or anything of that nature. So we try to really lock down our children's shelter to make sure we don't have a lot of different people coming and going into the shelter. But the demand is there. If you talk to any professional right now in the child welfare domestic violence arena, they'll tell you that during a pandemic epidemic, when, especially when it's the closest of family and, and the new stressors of maybe the loss of job or how do we navigate putting the children in online school and all of these things, mm-hmm. domestic violence and child abuse rises. And so we are seeing the impact of that now, especially as some of the counties open up with in-person schooling. You know, the reports are increasing as neighbors, you know, are being good neighbors and listening out. You know, they're reporting some of the cases of child abuse. So now that things are kind of getting back to that new normal, those, those cases are increasing as we find out about them. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned Safe Place. I mean, that's obviously a key part of your programming as well. Talk more about that program. I mean, it's one thing to put up a sign that says this is a safe place, but what's behind that? What does that really mean? What kind of training, kind of uh, 
recognition do you do? What kind of upkeep do you do to maintain the fact that this continues to be a safe place? Uh, what, what goes into that work? We do employ a full-time um, coordinator. Her name is Tracy Arp, and she's amazing. And her job is to go out on both sides and train. So she'll go out to all of the local businesses and make sure that they are aware of what safe places. She has to do it on an annual basis. So every year they renew um, their commitment to us and, and get some fresh training. When school is in session, she goes to every single school in our area and it's the schools that will let her in and other school districts, and she'll share with an assembly type of format what that safe place sign is. So we really don't target an adult audience with that safe place sign is. It's more for the children. She'll also go to events where we know a lot of children will be present. So like she would attend like, um, you know, like the North Georgia Fair and different, you know, events like that where she'll put up a table with information and hopefully try to target children that way. So wherever we can kind of get our, our foot in the door to help spread the message to children that this is a place where they can go and seek help is uh, what we try to do. And so what happens is when a child is identified or goes into the, the store, wherever it might be, they'll call Tracy or whoever's answering the 24-hour line at that time of day and will immediately get connected to them. If the child is at imminent risk, we go, no matter what time of the day it is, to go and check in on that child. So it's been 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and, and Tracy and her team go. And then from that point, you know, we determine what's best. Do they need to come stay with us? If they stay with us as a, a safe place person, they can stay with us for 21 days. Mm-hmm. And during that 21 days, what we're trying to do is find them some permanency. Mm-hmm. You know, was it just a spat with mom and dad and can we get them some counseling and get them, you know, back together? You know, is it something a little bit more than that? Do we need to find them a different family member placement? Or is there some serious abuse and neglect going on and do we need to get the authorities in the state involved? So we'll monitor each one of those things. But that is the outcome basically is so that within 21 days, we can get that child into a safe place, wherever that might be, and help getting them going forward with, you know, schooling. Sometimes they're out of school. So that's very important to us. But sometimes they come to us, they haven't had any medical treatment, you know, making sure they get an initial medical treatment, see a dentist for the first time. Some of our people have never seen the dentist before. So when they come in, we just want to make sure that we're just kind of checking those main boxes for health and safety. It's a lot to think about, you know, and what a, fantastic service you're providing to really give, you know, all these kids somewhere that they can call and and go if there is a problem. And I know one of the areas you focus on so much is children, you know, those under 18, which has caused you to develop a new program called RISE, which are for kids over 18. Tell us a little bit about that new program and how it works. Yeah, so we were really excited to offer this program. We just completed our one-year anniversary for this program. And it is a program that we saw a need in our community. So when the children go through the foster care system, oftentimes when they're 18 years old, they decide that they've had enough of being in care. And so they'll sign themselves out, but then they're kind of lost because they didn't have that family support. And then we were also seeing that just youth, you know, sometimes when they turn 18, mom and dad are like, okay, you're an adult now, you know, go out into the world. And so there was a real gap with either youth ending up homeless or um, youth just not having a place to go because of this. And so we partnered with um, HUD, the Housing and Urban Development, and it's a rapid rehousing model, which I know probably a lot of your listeners are familiar with. And so that model allows us to take youth ages 18 to 24, put around wraparound case management services to them, help them identify housing, most of it apartment, a roommate, if that's a goal of theirs to have to help make things more affordable, 
And we'll really walk alongside of them for up to 12 months, paying their rent, making sure they receive case management, developing a plan, whether it's an educational plan or an employment plan, to kind of make sure that when we leave them in a year, that they're uh, self-sustaining and able to keep going with whatever goals that they might have in life. So right now, we just kind of really excited because we have the capacity to operate 20 apartments at one time. And so we have uh, 20 apartments operating and we have 32 uh, youth in those apartments. One of the things that we realized, Carol, which you know really breaks my heart, when we were designing this program, we started designing this program in 2018, and I just envisioned a whole bunch of single youth, you know, ages 18 to 24, all trying to figure out, you know, college or figuring out the workforce or what that might be. But what we learned quickly is that in the, the metro area and where we are, most of our youth that we're encountering are already parents. Oh, and wow. so we're seeing them with, you know, one, two children. So you know, we have these 20 units and we really envisioned, you know, one person or maybe two at the most in each of these units, but they would both be 18 to 24, but we're seeing our families. And mm-hmm. so we put a lot of single mother and their children into these units. And that's why even though we have 20 units, we're serving uh, 32 people because we also are serving their child. So we brought in child care services. We can help pay for child care as they're getting started. We brought in some transportation services so that they could apply for jobs or, you know, go look at different colleges, get their medical appointments done. So we will do that. We also have some funding where we're able to help them with groceries, which was really important during COVID. You know, here we had, we were really started this program September of um, 2019. And, you know, in March of 2020, here comes COVID. And, you know, all of these youth that we were trying to get jobs and trying to get them situated, all of a sudden everything just came to like a screeching mm-hmm. halt. And so um, we're, I'm really proud to say that today, almost 90% of our youth in that program are employed. And so that's just a miracle that we've been able to do that during COVID. And that's really a testament to Rhonda Hall, who's the director of that program and her team, that they've been able to navigate that through COVID. Well, it's not a miracle because of the work that you're doing. So uh wouldn't be happening without you. I mean, I can... I'm saying this with a, a little tongue in cheek, you know, but I had the perfect childhood. I had, I was safe. I had food on the table. I had a roof over my head. I had a good education and I wasn't ready for life at 18 years old. So I can imagine what some of these, these youngsters are, are facing when they turn that age and, and what a, what a blessing to have you all in that program to turn to. So kudos to you on that. Carol mentioned uh, uh, COVID and how that was affecting the actual shelter, but let's look up a little, little broader. How, how is the pandemic affecting all of your programs? as a whole? Yeah, so we've had to pivot in some different areas. We've taken some of our services, you know, we've utilized Zoom and we have some more secure platforms for when we do some home visitation programming so that we are able to, you know, get an eye on children in the homes that we have some parenting program that we'll talk about maybe next time I'm on. But we've done some of those things. One of the hardest things for us is a couple of, of things. You know, when the COVID really was at its peak, a lot of foundations, a lot of funders started hearing everything towards emergency assistance, which is wonderful because, you know, people need to eat and people need to stay in their homes, you know, but so organizations like ours who, you know, are seeing a different kind of emergency need kind of got left behind a little bit. So we lost some funding in the beginning. We had to cancel some of our large events that were major fundraisers for us. So that has been one of the, I guess, the biggest impacts we've had was feeling a financial impact. But through it, we've never stopped any of our services. We kept up all of our services. Some of the agencies or different people had to stop, but we decided that our services were so critical that we were just going to keep going forward. We considered ourselves 
first frontline workers and we just kept working throughout the pandemic. We two weeks, I think when everybody had to stay at home, you know, we did that. But other than that two weeks, we've been working nonstop to, to meet the needs of our community. Fast credit approvals, accelerated loan processing, expedited underwriting. Call your new American funding loan officer today to get pre-qualified. For more information, call New American Funding at 678-898-3540. That's 678-898-3540. Well, as we approach the holidays and people start thinking about giving back, how are some of the ways they can support advocates? And you know, and how big is your need because of canceled events and all that things? I mean, are you trying to make up a $10,000 gap or you know, what does that look like? Yeah, well, thank you for asking, Carol. There are so many different ways that the community can get involved with Advocates for Children. One of like the easy ways, I guess, when we come into Christmas is that we always do a Christmas drive for the children in the shelter. One of the easiest things, sometimes we'll put up a wish list and you can always go to our website, which is www.advochild.org, and we'll put up a specific wish list with the children are asking for, but it's always gift cards that are in demand too with some of our young people. So places like Target and Walmart and GameStop and, you know, fun places like where you can buy toys and things like that are great things for our children. We also collect gift cards during the Christmas time for the actual shelter itself. So we like to always buy what we call a house Christmas present. So one time we collected gift cards and we bought the kids, um, well, what is that called? An Xbox system, you know, and some games. So we try to get like one big house present. We also always take donations of gift cards for like Publix and Kroger and grocery stores because, you know, we're feeding a house full of 12 kids at times. And so sometimes they're teenagers and they like to eat a lot. So we do always accept those types of things at Christmas time. And then, of course, general donations. You know, you can always go to our website, too, and make a general donation to help with those programming. Our shelter, we love to have people make meals and bring them in. Because of some of the regulations and because of COVID, we can't have you serve them. But we can definitely tell the children who it's from, and you can make it with love, and we can serve it to them. But there's a sign-up sheet on our website, too, if you ever want to make a meal. And during that holiday week, you can do breakfast, lunch, or dinner. But if you want to do it any other time of the year, it's always kind of going to be dinner. Um, and we would love to have that. Our RISE families, you know, we put them in these apartments, but we don't have the resources for furnishings and towels and sheets and pots and pans and all of those things. So, you know, we would love donations of those items or, again, give cards to Walmart or Target or Amazon, you know, or just ship Amazon stuff right to us. I know we kind of already have time day, but, you know, we can, they'll probably do something again. So you can always do that. But there's a different ways you can volunteer with us. We look for mentors, but I keep going on and on. But there's a lot of different ways. I would say go to our um, website and look up like how to be involved and you will see those ways. But the answer to your other question, Carol, is it was quite a deficit. So our annual spring benefit, we call it, it usually raises over $100,000 for us. And so we didn't have that event. And then we had a couple of large golf tournaments that usually happen that some uh, third-party partners put on for us, and those didn't happen. And that was about another $100,000. So we've lost a little over $200,000 in fundraising. But the Metro Atlanta community has been amazing. You know, individual donors have stepped up. So, you know, like I said, we haven't had to stop anything, but the need is still there. 
And I trust that corporate donations are welcome as well? Oh, absolutely, yes. And they can do all that giving through the website. Can you repeat that address one more time? Sure. The website is www.advochild.org. And then there's a couple of different links on there. You can learn more about us. You can see some of the programming. And also there's a donate tab on there. And then we have a program called Advocates 360, which is a monthly donor program where you can commit to make a, a donation of $30 a month. And then with that, you get a welcome letter, you get a Hope t-shirt, you get a couple other things just for us to say thank you to going with us and partnering with us. Well, hopefully as a community, we can all tag team and help you guys finish uh, 2020 strong. Uh, but looking ahead, however, to the, the coming year. What can we look forward to? Uh, I'm hoping some of these programs can kind of get back full throttle as we work our way through this pandemic. What else can we look forward to for 2021? So we are really looking for 2021 for some innovation. I think that's kind of going to be the word for everybody in 2021. How can we evolve and take these lessons learned and do things a little bit differently and a little bit better? So we're going to be looking at our children's shelter deciding, you know, what services will support those services. Bringing in educational services has been very important to us as the children have learned to adapt to online learning. So that'll be a priority for us in 21. Um, Looking at our RISE programming and how can we expand that because we were a year in and we're already at capacity. So we know that the need is there. So we want to look towards expanding that program. We want to look into bringing mental health services directly into our programming. That is a huge need, uh, especially now. I, the numbers for d- depression have gone way up in our in our communities. So how can we find those gaps and holes of services and try to fill them so that we can be a greater help to those in need? Mm. Again, thank you for this important work that you and your organization are doing uh, so important, so desperately needed. So on behalf of all of us here, uh, thank you for, for what you all are doing. Rachel, uh, sadly, we're running low on time. So before we let you go one last time, how can people connect with you and where do they go to get all the information and everything we've talked about? Sure. And I want to tell you one quick thing. We are actually going to have a drive-in movie tomorrow. Ooh, so if anybody yeah. wants to come up to Lake Point Center tomorrow night, starting at five o'clock, everybody's welcome. We're showing a movie about foster care and adoption. It's called Instant Family, so come on out. And if you want more information about that or anything that we do, please go to www.avochild.org. Got it. Rachel Castillo, the president and CEO of Advocates for Children. Rachel, again, thanks for making time to join us. And again, thank you for all of your important work. Well, thank you so much, Todd and Carol. I appreciate the opportunity. Pleasure welcome. was ours. All right, well, that wraps this week's Around Atlanta edition. On behalf of our show sponsor, New American Funding, my co-host, Carol Morgan, I am Todd Schneck. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to seeing you again right here next week. We'll see you then. Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio is sponsored by New American Funding and made possible by Denim Marketing, the publisher of Atlanta Real Estate Forum, Atlanta's favorite source for real estate and home building news. Denim Marketing is a comfortable fit, like your favorite pair of jeans. Denim Marketing tailors marketing strategies to meet your specific needs and niche. Try them on for size. They will work to create a perfect fit for your company's marketing program. Call them at 770-383-3360 or send an email to info at denimmarketing.com. For more information on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio or to inquire about being a guest, contact info at atlantarealestateforum.com. 
Check out the radio show by visiting atlantarealestateforum.com or by listening to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed today's broadcast, we'd sure appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Atlanta Real Estate Forum Radio.